0: Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Let's pray together. Father, you are our king, and you have an unshakable kingdom, and it is your good pleasure to give us this kingdom, and we pray that you would give us clarity and insight as to what we're asking for when we pray this prayer. We pray that even as we do so, that your kingdom would come. And that you would work in us, that which is pleasing in your sight, would you conform us as citizens of this kingdom, that we might give you glory, that we might uh, praise you, and that your name might be hallowed. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, God's word is clear that we are in the midst of a conflict of kingdoms. And there is a a pattern, a theme that runs throughout the story of redemption, uh, which You may or may not have caught, uh, but that pattern is simply this. God reveals to people his glory, his majesty, his might, his wisdom, his love. People see that glory and that majesty, and they respond in worship, and then they forget. They forget, and they regress. We saw in the story in Egypt, God revealed his power. And his might and his saving love in rescuing Israel out of the, the kingdom of Egypt, out of the hand of Pharaoh. And he revealed his marvels and his might by, by allowing Israel to pass through the Red Sea on dry ground and then swallowing up and destroying the armies of Pharaoh. And the people of Israel rejoiced and they praised him. But As soon as they got into the wilderness, they forgot. And they began to say, oh, that we were back in Egypt. Because there they had food. We're going to die out in this wilderness. The Lord's brought us out here to die. And see it again at Sinai. God brought his people to the foot of Mount Sinai and they saw his glory. They heard the, the thunder and saw the lightning and the smoke and felt the earthquake and they feared and they saw the tablets and they received the covenant and the laws and they built the tabernacle as God told them. They saw the Lord's presence filled the tabernacle, and he led them from Sinai, and they saw the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, and they worshiped him, and then they forgot. They were spying out the land, and these same people who saw Egypt get destroyed, these same people who received God's covenant, who saw his presence, saw the pillar of fire, they said, oh, well, there's giants in the land. The Lord's going to destroy us. We're never going to make it. And of course, there was King David. This humble shepherd boy who the Lord called out of the field and said, I'm going to make you king over my people. I'm going to establish a sure family. There's going to be an eternal kingdom. You will never cease to have a son sitting on my throne. And David responded in worship. He wrote many psalms. He praised the Lord. He said, Who am I that the Lord should show such favor on me? And yet David forgot God's power and his love and his holiness he saw another man's wife, and he took her in an act of adultery for himself. He had that man murdered. He forgot God's glory. And it wasn't this pattern wasn't constrained to the Old Testament either, because God in his grace sent his one and only Son. The very Son of God came to earth. And the writers of the New Testament said, We beheld his glory. They saw his saving miracles. They saw him... Give sight to the blind and cause the lame to walk and cleanse the lepers. They saw him transfigured on the mountain, glorified. They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. And they saw him raised from the dead. Him, truly dead, crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And they saw him then ascend into heaven. And they worshipped him. They said, you truly are the son of God. But then they forgot. They got scared. They were worried about what came next. Would God really be with them? What would happen with the powers of the world? They were confused in a true doctrine. They were divided amongst one another. And brothers and sisters, these things are ought to be encouragement to you and to me. Because isn't, isn't that same pattern true in your life and in my life? When God reveals his glory, his power, his love, his holiness. Uh, to you and to me, we we read of it, we hear of it, we sing of it, and God, by his grace, gives us his spirit that we can see it. He gives us ears that we can hear it and to believe it. He warms our heart that we are filled with adoration and praise and then we forget. It's, it feels like it's two steps forward and one step back. Like we have two steps forward in clarity and, and the truth of who God is and who is Christ and what is, what is sound doctrine and then we take a step back into doubt or confusion or we take two steps forward in a softened heart and affections warmed by the gospel and we are filled with love to the point of tears, even sometimes beyond tears and then we take a step back to apathy. Or we take two steps forward with this increased resolve to serve for the sake of the kingdom, to have a holy zeal, to do that which the Lord has called us to do. And then other priorities get in the way, and we forget. And brothers and sisters, this is a clash of kingdoms, is what our God tells us. Quite simply, the kingdom of the world into which we are born the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of our God. We need the kingdom of heaven. Any good that we have, any heart that we have for Christ, any love, any worship, any insight into any clarity is ours because of the inbreaking of God's kingdom into our hearts and into our lives. We need that kingdom. And yet there is a conflict, there is a struggle. And so we need to pray. Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come to us. Now, uh, in this simple petition, there are a number of different observations we can make about what Jesus is getting at and what we need to understand from this. They're fairly obvious, but it's important for us to say it. Um, First and foremost, our Father is a king, and he has a kingdom, and this kingdom exists. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, Father, build your kingdom, create your kingdom, there is a kingdom that already exists, and he's asking, telling us to ask that this kingdom would come, which means that this kingdom is not here the way that it ought to be, but that it can come, but we can't be the ones to cause it to come. We must ask our Heavenly Father to come. It comes by the will of our God, our Heavenly Father. And Jesus had also told us that our Father knows what we need before we ask it. And yet, and then Jesus teaches us to pray this. And so we, we ought to understand from that that this kingdom is something that we need. Something that we need. And Jesus said later in the book of Luke, he said, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But we don't have to doubt that this is a request that our Father is eager to give us. But we need it. Father's willing to give it, it's his desire to give it, and now Jesus is instructing us to ask for it, to ask for it. And this kingdom is different from what we would say is his kingship, okay? By nature of the fact that God is the creator of all things, he is the king over all things. He is the king, He's not, his kingdom is not being established. It was established because of who he is and what he has done in creating all things. Scripture is clear that he has created all things by the word of his power. And he upholds and he sustains all things by the word of his power. That is, this is a, a rule over all things that he has created that is undisputed. There's not a single part of creation that is not under his kingship. And yet Jesus is telling us that this kingdom that we're praying for is not fully here. It's something that needs to come. And so this kingdom that we are asking for is not his providential kingdom over all creation, but a kingdom that deals with redemption and salvation. The writer of Hebrews helps out with this a little bit. He says that uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was vindicated in glory, he was ascended into the heavenly realms, and he was seated at the right hand of God the Father, and all things were put under his feet. That's kingdom language. That's authority. Then he says, we do not see all things in subjection to him, but we do see him to whom all things were put in subjection, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. He is the king, and yet we do not see his subjection, or all things put in subjection to him. That is what we were praying for is we were praying for this redemptive kingdom to come. This is a saving relationship with his people. He's building he's establishing, he's growing his kingdom of his people. And this kingdom is a twofold kingdom. one kingdom but it's a twofold kingdom. And this is where we get tripped up sometimes. It's a kingdom of grace, and it's a kingdom of glory. And those two kingdoms are one and the same. They're not different in nature, but in degrees. You could say that we are now, if our faith is in Christ Jesus, we are members of this kingdom of grace, and we are awaiting this kingdom of glory. This kingdom of grace was inaugurated when Jesus Christ, our king, came into this world. He came as king to establish his kingdom. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Picture it like a beachhead of the Lord Jesus coming into the kingdom of the world, establishing the beginning of this victory. The D-Day invasion, and, and everything that he did in his earthly ministry was an inbreaking of the glory of the kingdom. He healed the sick. He caused the lepers, lepers to be cleansed. He caused the blind to see. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. Those were authoritative works of the kingdom of glory, a, a glimpse of what. Life in the kingdom will will all be about. But this kingdom, what what was this kingdom? Well, Jesus didn't say exactly this is exactly what the kingdom is. He talked to, in parables. The kingdom's like this. The kingdom's like this. And he said that this is a hidden kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's a kingdom that. They're citizens of this kingdom on earth, but it's not an earthly kingdom. He said explicitly, My kingdom is not of this world. And we're asking our Father in heaven to bring his to that, that his kingdom would come. It is a heavenly kingdom, but it's coming here. It's not it's not of this world, but it's it's hidden. He says, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is. Inside you. And it's not even clear exactly in whom it is. It's hidden. Apostle Paul says that all creation is eagerly waiting to see who the sons of God are when they are to be revealed. That even in this, the midst of this life, this kingdom is, is mixed. It's incomplete. It's unclear. It's hidden. It's uncertain. But it's a saving relationship with God's people that is in and through Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, why is that a kingdom? Why, why would we say that that is a kingdom? That seems like a relationship. Well, yes, it is a relationship. But it's a kingdom because it's a transfer of authority. A transfer of the authority of the world. An imprisonment to the chains of sin to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a new... Set of laws. We have a new source of truth. We have a new master that we obey, one that sets us free, not one that keeps us in chains. But it's not an earthly kingdom. And and the Jews wanted an earthly kingdom. They thought that Jesus was coming to establish an earthly kingdom. And even the apostles thought that he was coming to do that. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, the apostles said, Lord, are you now? Is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, No, not yet. Not yet. Like, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons that the Father has established by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. We said, Not, not yet. That day is coming, but that's not this kingdom, this kingdom of grace. It's part of this broader kingdom of our Heavenly Father. But this is the kingdom of glory, the kingdom of glory to which we are looking for. And these two kingdoms, the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of glory, they're not different in nature but in degree. Uh, Puritan Thomas Watson said that the kingdom of grace is the beginning to the kingdom of glory. It's the, the inbreaking, it's the growing, it's the seed of the kingdom of glory. But the kingdom of glory is grace in the flower that's bloomed. Or another way to put it is that the kingdom of grace is glory militant. We feel that militancy. We feel that conflict in ourselves, in the midst of the world. It's that glory that's militant. But the kingdom of glory is grace triumphant. And just as Jesus, our king, inaugurated, initiated that kingdom of grace by his coming, his kingdom of glory will be consummated when he returns and he comes again. And that's, brothers and sisters, when the grace that we have, been, we have received is perfected in glory. That is, the, that is the, our heart's desire. That's what we're longing for, that Perfection of this kingdom of glory. That's when the, this hidden kingdom is made manifest, when the, the citizens of the kingdom are made known. And yes, beloved, even that kingdom is an earthly kingdom, but not earth as we know it. Because Jesus and the writers of Scripture have said that our Father will create a new heavens And a new earth. And when this kingdom of glory comes, this kingdom will come. And as the writer of Hebrews, or writer of Revelation said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There shall be a king, he'll be a king on earth, but not like the kings of today where there's opposition and multiple kings. There will be one kingdom, one king, perfect rule perfect glory. And that's what we're longing for, beloved. But these two parts of this kingdom, this kingdom of grace and this kingdom of glory, they're inseparable. You can't get to the kingdom of glory except through this kingdom of grace, which is bad news for a lot of us in this world because every person, every person, every member of mankind, wants that kingdom of glory. Because that kingdom of glory is paradise. That's where there's eternal rest, and eternal blessedness, and eternal reward, and eternal and perfect fellowship, and love, and acceptance. And I know that we all want this because The writer of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. That's what we're searching for and we're yearning for, but the pathway to the kingdom of glory is through the kingdom of grace. And the only way into the kingdom of grace is through our Savior, Jesus Christ. But our problem is that we are not members of the kingdom of glory. We're not, by nature, even members of the kingdom of Grace, we are members of the kingdom of this world. Jesus made that very clear, that we are born into the kingdom of this world. And this is the kingdom that every person is born into. This is the kingdom of the evil one. This is a kingdom of darkness. And we can't do anything to get out of this kingdom on our own. There's, there's nothing that anyone that is a member of this kingdom can do to break free from this kingdom. It's a kingdom of darkness, of ignorance, that there is a blindness to the truth. That's why we struggle so much to even recognize or admit that there are these kingdoms. That's why we struggle to admit that we are even in chains in the midst of this kingdom. It's a a darkness of wickedness. Too. That's why we have very little desire for the kingdom of God, because Scripture says that we love the darkness, because our deeds are evil. We're born into this world where we have this sin nature, and we only know sin. We think, this is the way to happiness. This is the way to satisfaction, and oh, well, you're going to take that away from me. That's my only way of happiness. And so we fear. We fear what it means to come into the light and to see that the things that we've lived in is those things are wickedness and evil and what it what it accuses us of. And so we shrink back into the darkness. But this is also a kingdom that is a darkness of misery. Because we tell ourselves that this is the path to happiness through our sins through our wickedness and yet it never does our wickedness our sin always makes grand promises and they always come up short they are empty carbs in the midst of life they we end up with shame and guilt and regret and it never satisfies and what's even worse than this beloved is that just as the kingdom of grace is is provisional on our way to a kingdom of glory which will be absolute and complete. So it is with this kingdom of the world. This darkness is only in part. There is an absolute darkness that is coming. There is an absolute misery that is coming. But for those who remain in this kingdom of the world, they will be cast into, Jesus said, the utter darkness an utter misery that is eternal where there is no escape, where the fire does not quench. So we have to ask, how can we break free out of this kingdom of suffering, this kingdom of misery, this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of the world? And the only answer, beloved, is God's kingdom has come. God's kingdom must break into our hearts and into our world. And we must cry out, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. We must ask God to send his powerful kingdom to do this work. And so when we pray this prayer, we're praying three key key things. We're saying, our Father, your kingdom come in us. Our Father, your kingdom come through us, and your kingdom come to us, to us. Because this kingdom is our only hope for salvation, beloved, we need this kingdom. We must desire this kingdom, but we cannot cause this kingdom to come. Understand this, beloved, that by nature, in this kingdom of the world, we are slaves in a dark dungeon with chains on our arms and our legs, with a shroud over our head, being whipped by our wickedness, and our evil masters whispering in our ear, saying, this is all there is. This is life. Life is pain. Don't worry, it'll all be over soon. And outside of the prison is light is vibrant colors is freedom is joy is blessedness we can't get there we are chained in this prison we can't see it we don't even know that it exists and what's more we we wouldn't break free if we wanted to or we we wouldn't break free if we could because we don't want to because we love the darkness we we love our wickedness we've grown accustomed to it we've it's all we've ever known And the only way we could ever break free is if the king of glory would come to set us free. That's what Jesus has done. That is what the incarnation of Jesus Christ was. He came into our world and he bound the master of the house. He bound the king of this world so that he could set prisoners free. And Jesus allowed himself to be bound Enchained with our sins. He allowed himself to be bound and placed on the cross of Jesus Christ and crucified. He allowed himself to be imprisoned in the darkness of death, in the darkness of a grave, so that he could burst those bonds, bonds. He could set us free from the fear of death, from the fear of our sins, from the judgment that's due to us from the power of this world. And that's what he's done. When he burst forth on that glorious day and he rose from the grave was to show us that we have freedom. And now he comes to us in this prison and he whispers in our ear and he says, come with me and live. Come, come with me and see the glories that I have for you. Let these chains fall off. Let me remove this shroud from your eyes. Let me lead you into the life. I have blessings for you beyond your wildest imaginations. And friends, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, then I urge you to hear him say that to you even now. He has come to you in the midst of the darkness of your life and the chains of your own wickedness. And he came to set you free. And he says, come with me. Come with me. You will never be able to break these the chains that imprison you on your own strength. But Jesus Christ can. That's why he came. He came to set us free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, he said. You can't cause yourself to see these spiritual truths, but the Lord Jesus Christ can lay his hands on your eyes, in the eyes of your heart, so that you can see his grace and receive it. And you can't, you you don't even have the strength to walk out of this prison and into the light, but the Lord Jesus says, take my hand, and I will lead you, and if need be, I will carry you into my glorious light brothers and sisters, for us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, what you and I need to understand is that when Christ sets us free, that is merely the seed of this kingdom of grace. It must grow. It must flourish. If it's a, if it's a seed that will grow into the flower blooming of the, king, of the kingdom of glory, that seed must grow within us. We must continue to grow. Jesus said, we read it, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast in a batch of dough. And the yeast grows and it spreads until it fills the whole dough. Brothers and sisters, you and I, in Christ Jesus, are that dough. And we need that kingdom to come and grow within us. We're told, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come, when we come into this kingdom, this kingdom is new we don't know what it means we don't know how it works our eyes are so used to the darkness that we're we're not ready for the light we need to we need to have our eyes adjusted to the light it needs to be like the the going from the dark of night into the dawn where the light gradually Increases until the, the brightness and the glory of the sun shines in our eyes. So it is with the kingdom. We're, we're rescued out of this kingdom of darkness. We are starved and emaciated and weak from being fed off of the scraps of this world. We, need, we, we, don't, we don't know what it is to feast on Christ. We don't know what it is to feast on his word and to grow in him. And, and we're, we're, not, we're not ready for the fullness of glory yet. We need the kingdom to come and to grow as we feast on Christ little by little and it grows within us. We, we don't know how to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling we've received because our legs are not used to walking and our hands aren't used to working. We have no strength in our hands or our legs and so we need the physical therapy of our king to teach us how to walk. We need one another to show what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we receive or to serve with the strength of his might. It's got to grow. Our minds are so foolish because we've been living in a kingdom that is foolish. We need to be instructed by God's word, and our hearts are so unstable as we are tossed to and fro by our pleasures and every whim, every philosophy. And it takes time to grow and to develop foundation and roots. And beloved, if you don't know the necessity of growing in this kingdom, I'm telling you now that you're living off the fumes of faith. But Jesus Christ offers you the fullness of himself that you might be rooted and grounded. You might have sustenance to be sustained. We need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ not just to set us free, but to sustain us and to cause us to grow in his kingdom. Because look at the examples from scripture, beloved. It is far too easy for us to turn back to the place where we came from. It's far too easy for us to crave the scraps of Egypt. Oh, those leeks, those onions, those melons. It's far too easy for us to just shrink back into the darkness rather than to come into the light. And it's far too easy for us to just lay down in sloth and say, this prison floor is just so much easier. Beloved, we need the kingdom to come and to work in us that we might be citizens of this kingdom, that we might be prepared for glory. So this prayer, that your kingdom come, is a searching and demanding prayer where we say, Father, make me fully obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill me with this kingdom mindset centered on this king. Conform me to his image and fit me for glory because that's where, that's where I want to go and that's where you've promised that I will go. So we pray that his kingdom would come in us, but then even as we, that happens, even as we're, we're conformed to images of, of Christ and conformed as citizens of this kingdom, then we learn that God's way of causing this kingdom to come is through us. And so we become, we're praying that the Lord would f- faithfully work through his church, that his kingdom might come through his church. Now, we need to say that the, the church is not this kingdom. Those two are not not the same. All those who are in this kingdom of our Father are in the church, but not all those who are in the church are in this kingdom. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like um, a field where there is good seed that is planted, and then there's weeds. He says, the good seed is the seed of the gospel that I have planted, and the and the weeds are those that were planted by the evil one. And those two, he said, are in my kingdom together. And at the end of days, the angels will come and separate the weeds and bundle them up and throw them into the fire. My dear friends, make sure that you are not one of the weeds in the kingdom. Make sure that your heart is centered on the king and your faith is holy in him and you are growing in him. But what does also tells us, beloved? Is that on this side of glory, God's kingdom, even this kingdom of grace, whether it's in you or through you, will never be perfect. The perfection that we long for, we ache for, is reserved for the kingdom of glory. And until that time, we will ache for the imperfection that we experience the, the imperfection of this tension, of this conflict of kingdoms, which is why we, we pray, thirdly, that your kingdom would come to us, that your kingdom of glory would come. Oh, Father, send your Son, our King, in glory this time, not in humility or in weakness. But in glory, make this kingdom of grace bloom and flower into your kingdom of glory forever and ever. Defeat all your enemies. Fully and perfectly subdue me and all of your people for yourself. Purify us forever and ever. And beloved, what you need to understand is that in Jesus Christ, our God has promised that he will preserve us unto glory. This preserving grace is a promise and a gift of this kingdom of grace. If your hope is in Christ Jesus, you can know for certain that God is faithful and he will see you to glory. But we ache, don't we? I hope you ache. Jesus said, blessed are you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. We ache because we ache of the imperfections of the incomplete nature of this facet of God's kingdom. We ache that this leaven of his grace is not spread fully in our hearts. We ache that, like with Paul in Romans chapter 7, like I do not do what I want to do, and what I want to do I don't do. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? We ache that we told our chains are broken, and yet somehow it seems like the sins are still entangled in us. We ache that our eyes just don't see the glory of God the way we want to. We see glimpses, but not the fullness. We ache that our voices are so frail to sing his praises with joy. We ache that we, our hands are weak, our hearts are cold, that our minds forget, but beloved, be encouraged. Because if you do that at all, if you have any insight, any love, any service, any praise, any worship, you have the seed of God's grace in you. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will see the kingdom of glory, but pray, oh, Father, your kingdom come. Work in me. Cause it to grow. Help me to see more. Help me to to be faithful. Help me to reflect Christ more. And, oh, Lord, Bring, bring perfection of glory. Sustain me until that day. And beloved, we, we ache at the imperfections of our kingdom work. We ache at the imperfect results of our preaching ministry, of our, of our witness in the culture. We ache at the, the size of our churches, at the division and the impurity within our churches. But beloved, be encouraged, because we have been given this treasure in jars of clay And we have the gift of being able to declare the manifold greatness of Christ. And that gospel says God's kingdom is coming, that glory is coming, and that everyone who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. We have that gift. We have that hope. But we must pray, "Oh Lord, your kingdom come. Work in your churches. Purify your churches. Unify your churches. Give us pure doctrine. Give us power in our preaching. Oh, but Lord, may your kingdom come. May may the new heavens and the new earth come. May Jesus Christ, our Savior, come. Establish your kingdom. Satisfy our mourning. End the aching. And beloved, we must pray this with earnestness and persistence. We must pray and not lose hope because Jesus said, pray like this. He said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you this kingdom. It's coming. Our king has come. His kingdom is coming. And his, our king will come again in glory. And we know this because our Savior told us. The very last words of God's word says this. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Indeed, may your kingdom come. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that your kingdom will come. Thank you that you've sent your king. Oh, Lord, conform us to your kingdom. Make us willing participants. Make us joyful subjects, fully obedient, fully adoring our Heavenly Father. Oh Lord, would you purify your church? Would you glorify yourself and do this all that your name may be hallowed? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.